the shaken and disturbed everybody. John, we've started the okay. John, oh, sorry, is I kept flailing. An inverse of a Vogue. Um, you well, can you see know, it on the podcast, I was here. giving symmetrical flailing on the video podcast. But what I'm doing is, Darren, what you might not know about me was I was the drum major of my high school marching band. Oh, so, so I have. Some very specific, and only you guys on Patreon are able to see this. Some very, Darren, you kind of have it. Like, you know, your hands are, Darren actually has a nice flow, you guys. I've got a flow, people. I've okay. got a, a lot of people, flow. Because a lot of people when they're doing this are a little stiff or like they don't really like let their body kind of tell, not tell the story, but keep the rhythm, I guess you could say. But Darren, rhythm, I, I saw I've... a little bit of, um, yeah. I've got flair. All right, I've we'll got... work on that. We'll do it in person we'll, sometime. We'll work on it here. Um, <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll, we'll happy we'll pride it this summer officially yes. because we're actually recording this in full That's swing of true. June, which is cool. And summer's pretty much here. I feel like when June hits, it's summer. The weather around the Northeast, or at least I should say in Maryland, has been a little topsy turvy. Like it's like really hot some days but then even in those hot days the evenings are chilly i don't hate it i just would love to have a couple sweaty days to really feel like summer it was has arrived cold in la really what is it happening was like, oh climate dude change. la has been like crazy though and then and it even goes june gloom i go well what happened when we were in there in march and april and may and it was when also it was kind hot. of cold oh, no it was, it was also it was kind cold. of cold and i was like it's 85 degrees in new york city and it's kind of chilly in june but yeah. um yeah, summer's in the air. It's just a lighter vibe, which is yeah, really great. I love, I love it. Are you taking any vacations? I am planning some vacations out. You know what's funny? This happens every single year. I, it, You know, May comes around and I get smacked in the face with Memorial Day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Memorial Day. I should have planned something. And then next thing I know, it's mid-June and I have nothing yeah. else planned. And then things get booked and then prices on air on, on flights go up. So I'm really aiming to, by the end of this week, at least have most of my summer planned out. I will say, Darren, one of the things that is a very top priority for me, in fact, might be my most top priority, is making sure I get my ass to New York City before you fly and hop out to L.A. and live, you know, and just abandon me over here on the East Coast. Please, please. Because you're moving, for anyone who didn't know or is just picking up, if you're a first-time listener to the show... Darren is moving from New York to LA in July, Darren, is that correct? Mid-July. How's that going, by the way? Um, you know, it's like now that we have the apartment, I think we found a moving company to kind of do all the packing for us, which made yeah. me feel a little bit better. But now it's just kind of like organization. I made Nadine call some stuff. Did you have you ever heard of Did I tell you about Media Mail? Did I tell you about no, this last week? No, tell me about it. It's this like, is not a plug, right? And no, or, I mean, it's not from the ad. USPS. <laughs> Nadine had told me about it. I'm sure everyone else out there knows that, but it's essentially a very, very cheap way. As long as you don't really care about when it gets there to ship things. Oh, so like me. I have like three boxes of books that I, you know, like I've given some away, but three boxes of books and you can basically ship it for about so it just might take a few weeks to get there. For how but long? Because it's Sorry, I, or how much? I like 14 bucks. Wow. Like, and they're heavy. And it's just that it like, it, it's called media mail. And if you have certain media, it can be like, you know, CD-ROMs, oh, uh, binders okay, of I stuff, see. manuscripts, um, DVDs, mm -hmm. uh, books, vinyl records, media things like that. In the media, yeah. media of all kind, computer files, you can ship it on the cheap, which hmm, I did not know about. And so it because my movers, a lot of it has to do with weight. Yeah, we're shipping yeah. my books out, which is actually really helpful. So wait, why is it only media that you can do that with? Like it's some I'm special- I'm not confident- 
I think it's just, yeah, in order to kind of like send documents that are kind of important Uh, in that. I'm not, I'm not sure why, but it's through the USPS. So it's through the federal government, but uh, Nadine told me about it and it's actually like super cheap. You guys should look into it if you ever want to ship books. It's just like, you can't, you just can't like overnight stuff, you know, like it has to be like, it might take a few weeks to get there. Books and things. You probably don't really need that. So that's good. Let me ask you this. I was wondering about this and I've even thought about this for myself. Should I ever move out to the West coast? And we're going to get into this. Which you're going to do. I hope so. Maybe one day in my life I will. You are. Um, Are you packing up your entire apartment and then how are they, are you shipping it to LA? Like, is that how this works? Like I have never moving moved. Truck. Moving, moving truck, moving truck. And then moving truck. they're going to move. They're not, you're not driving it. I'm assuming. No, okay, no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. We hired a company, um, I which I actually, the company moved me from my old apartment into this apartment, but oh. they do everything. They pack up everything for you. Put it they in a truck and get, get put, going. put it in a truck and then hmm. go. And it, it just like, you have to live without your stuff for like two weeks. But sure. you know, I live in LA out of a suitcase for two weeks. Yeah, so it's like living out of a suitcase often. is like yeah. really not that big of a deal. Oh, yeah. And we're only okay. giving away one of our beds, not another one of our beds. Like we're oh, all, okay. so well, the other bed that is, that yep, is we're going to give away, know. it'll yep. stay. So that gives us a little time. Right. Is yeah, our guest bedroom like? bed, which came from my old apartment. It's so gotcha. comfortable. I love it's it. It's pretty comfy, yeah. Um, but it like I bought it so long ago, like it was one yeah. of my first purchases. I've had it in my possession for a long time. So we just were like, we're not gonna ship that. We'll just get a whole new kind of setup over oh, okay. there. Yeah, so, that's a good idea. Yeah. Wow. Well, good luck on your move. Um Thanks, babes. June is a really, you know, you have about a month left. Can I tell you why I love June? I know we talked about summer and vacations. Yeah. Um I love June and we're going to get into this week's episode right after this. I love June because I get paid three times in June. Okay. I'm sorry. Call me old fashioned. So the way it works out, like the way you got paid on June 1st or 2nd, this is for anyone out there. You're going to get paid three times this month. June 1st, June 8th, June 15th, June 22nd, June 29th. 29th are the Thursdays. I get paid on a Friday. So it's technically the 2nd, the 16th and the 30th. So I'm like, Look at me with an extra, you know, paycheck. Oh, because you get paid uh, every bi-weekly. other week. Yeah, every I get other paid every week. other week. Yeah, yeah. Am I revealing too much about myself? I don't know. If I am, let me know. But um, I just thought I'd mention that for anyone who's out there might need a little pick me up if you get paid every other week in June. It's a good, That's, good feeling to have. It's yeah, very, that is a good feeling. You know what it is? It's very, um, it's very uh, uh, pro gay is what it is. Um, yeah, they obviously paychecks are only meant for homosexuals. Absolutely. Of which we happen to be two of, so that's exactly Exactly. So really good news for us. Um, anyway, Darren, that's enough of like our shenanigans at the top of the show. Let's get into this week's episode because it is a really, yeah, it's a dues. And there are some details about this episode, uh, particularly with a phone cord that I don't like, but let's get into it right now. So in 1989, 59-year-old Keziah Burton lived with her husband, Raphael, and 16-year-old son, I want to say his name is Hue, in an apartment in the Bronx. Now, Keziah worked as a nurse at Beth Abraham Hospital. Why You don't think it's Huey? Huey? Is it Huey? Let's go with Huey. Maybe it is Huey. Just kind it's, of a new way to spell Huey, maybe? H- well, it's H-U-W-E. Yeah, We're not but only in- because it doesn't have an accent over the E, which is why I feel like it's not okay. Huey, but it could be. Let's go with Huey. That might make Huey. more sense. We're going to go yeah. with Huey. Um, so she worked at this hospital while Huey completed his sophomore year at Evander Childs High School. 
On Tuesday, January 3rd, Huey arrived home from uh, after school just before 3 p.m. in the afternoon. By the way, I want to just stop for a second because, you know, Darren, I don't know about you anymore or about everyone listening, but my personal work hours, which tend to be connected to New York and L.A., are 10 to 6, which is surprising to a lot of people because if you don't live in a major city in entertainment, you're probably getting up much earlier and ending your day much earlier. But I always forget how early school started for us. Oh like God, I don't know how I got up at how 6 a.m. every day. This? We were up know. at 6 a.m. But we were also in bed by nine. I know that's true. Out the door by seven. And my school at least started high school started at 8 a.m. And we were out of school by two o'clock. I know. And it's I'm crazy. like, I, I'm not even halfway through my day yet at two o'clock. So that's kind of crazy. I haven't even lunch. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't yeah. ever, I, yeah, exactly. Anyway, just something I was thinking about is I have a 17 year old nephew, but anyway, um, Huey's dad, Raphael was away in Jamaica visiting family. So it was just him and Keziah at home. As he entered the, his apartment, Huey wasn't greeted by his mom, but the television was still on. Now, he had just enough time to think perhaps she may have stepped out for a minute to run to the store, which, of course, very common, especially in New York. Uh, Usually there's a bodega or something right around the corner to run to if, if, if you need to get there. Just moments after he walked in, the phone rang and it was Huey's girlfriend inviting him to come hang out at her apartment. So he turned around and left to meet up with his friend and he didn't arrive back home again until around 540 that evening. When he returned home again, his mother was still missing, and this time he noticed something odd. The contents of her purse were dumped out on the living room floor. Now, immediately, mm. that would send red flags. It know. would, and, and my mind is also going to, like, those two and a half hours, essentially, for when he came home from yeah. school, from when he turned around, went to his uh, girlfriend, I believe you said. Yeah. Uh, what was missed? You know, yeah, how exactly. oh, that time was kind of, you yeah. know, well, precious. Uh, well, as you can imagine, now he's very concerned. He began looking through the apartment to see if his mom had returned home yet. But when he opened the door to his parents' bedroom, he found something that no child should ever have to witness. And of course, that was his mother's body. And it was abandoned in a pretty horrific state, Darren, which I know you're about to get into here in a second. Yeah. Kaziah's body was laying face down on her bed with a phone cord tied around one wrist. You'd normally expect this to be around a neck, not a wrist. Or both um, wrists. Maybe they were tied or, behind her right, back but or just something. one right. wrist is a little... Yeah. You, you, we don't really know what the scene is like. Now, although she was still wearing her nightgown, her mm. underwear had been removed, and unfortunately, she appeared to have been sexually assaulted. Oh, and horrible. obviously panicked, Huey immediately called 911 for help. Police arrived and began processing the crime scene, part of which involved asking Huey about his whereabouts during the day, of course. You know, yeah. that that's that's fair. Huey informed police that he had been at school all day and had arrived home the first time at 247, which, mm-hmm. you know, originally we said three. That makes sense. His about girlfriend called, yep. which they could check from phone records. He went to meet her. Got back home shortly before finding his mom's body and telephoning police. Right. He also told police that he had slept with his girlfriend when they met up that afternoon. Okay. I wonder why that's relevant. I mean, yeah, yeah. Or maybe he's just so panicked. 
He's just trying to like word vomit all the honesty, you know, like, and I could see that too. Like even any irrelevant information might be relevant. Although in my experience, don't tell police anything more than what they're asking. (laughs) That's true. Who the fuck knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. By the way, I do think, oh, sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I do think that if I were in that situation, that's exactly what I would do. Like just say any and everything. Right. I'm wearing a red shirt. Uh, I took off my shoes when I got to the apartment. Uh, We talked about Mario Brothers. Like, I would do the same thing. (laughs) That's you and me, right? That's that's what we talked about. No, I think just doing this show and working in true crime, I have really learned to be very, like, conscientious about, you know, the world around you and, like, detailing things. Like, I'll try to remember suspicious vehicles, like, tag numbers now that, like, I probably wouldn't have done that a couple years ago. So... I kind of get that. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what Huey was doing here, but you know, you would hope that maybe he's just trying to give them as much as they can to get into the investigation. Well, side note as soon uh, after I um, I'm going to continue, yeah. but I have my crime of the day, true crime calendar. And I, I want to say a week that. ago, it was about a girl, an 11 year old girl who was waiting, mm-hmm. who was like playing on the lawn, waiting for the, her bus to come. Yeah. And she was, she was making blue like slime, like okay. back, you know, like whatever yeah, like kids slime, do. Yeah. This only happened like two years ago. And a guy in a white van pulled up, tried to grab her, grabbed her arm. And she remembered from law and order SVU. Oh so not God. even from two crime podcasts, but watching it, she smeared the blue gack or slime or whatever on yeah. his arm, managed to get away. The guy ran back to his car. And when police questioned him, he still had remnants of the wow. blue slime on his arm and he got caught. And like Mariska Hargitay called out this girl. So it's just like these little things, you know, and I often think of Taken when Liam Neeson tells his daughter, he's like, tattoos, height, say totally. anything of any details that could help, a mole, anything yep. that could help in description. And- so. And I just want to add one last thing, and this was a little. This is a little more uh, intense, but you know, you hear we've done a couple of episodes. I feel like on this show where the victim remembered to dig your claws into the person yeah. attacking you, not only to hurt the them, but to get the their DNA. DNA under your fingernails. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which is a really horrible thing to be like, hey, don't forget that if you're ever attacked. But it, no, it but the more you know, right? The more you know, and the more it's going to come naturally to you. So you know, Huey tells the police that he slept with his girlfriend. Police were sus about this. They were pretty suspicious because the time he provided was almost too precise. And they believed oh. he may be trying to establish an alibi, which is exactly why, sure. you know, telling things to police can also put you. That doesn't mean In that he's innocent. Place. I'm just saying that, like, even when you're trying to be super honest and say yeah. everything, it could also come back to bite you in the ass. Now, right. detectives followed up with his teachers and were informed by Huey's first period teacher that he had been absent from class that morning. Okay, so that's like earlier in the morning, I guess, before any of this went down. So I think that's interesting to note, yeah. On January 5th, two days after Kazaya's death, police brought Huey to the station for questioning. Now, remember, he's 16, and his father's not around, so it's unclear about the parental consent here because he's not a full-blown adult. Now, though Huey had asked repeatedly to have his father present, police declined this, stating that he was out of the country not available. This seems like a gross mistake justice miscarriage of justice yeah, here something is very sus with these details especially for, for sure. an underage kid i mean you kind of have the right to yeah and you know you don't want to be incriminate that? incriminating yourself in unintentionally by That's why saying we have the, the fifth thing. amendment yeah exactly right. well when he he still seemed reluctant police informed huey that having sex with his 13 year old girlfriend 
was considered statutory rape. Oh, and God. if he refused to talk, police could charge him and he could be facing jail time. I mean, is that true? Oh, I guess because yeah. the 13-year-old is so young, right? But they're both underage. I mean, this is the problem with yeah. that, too. Like, I understand why the statute obviously exists, because they're trying to prevent mm-hmm. child molesters and things like of that. Course. But unfortunately, a lot of people that are on that list are like two 16-year-olds having sex with each other yeah. that's consenting. And it's like, that you're not a sexual predator if you're doing that. You know no, what I mean? You might be underage having teenager, sex, but like yeah. you're a lot of people have sex underage. Yeah, it's true. So frightened, Huey gave in and allowed police to interrogate him for three hours. This feels like this is not going to hold up in court the way that it is yeah, with intimidation and that. everything. Yeah. I often think of Brandon Dassey from uh, Making a Murderer. Yeah. The interrogation was not recorded. Also seems a little sus, but after it was finished, Huey created a confession tape where he admitted to murdering his mother during a fight on the afternoon of January 3rd while he was high on crack. Now, this is where a lot of new information. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to like profile anybody here, but he sounds like a normal kid. I mean, he's looking for his mom. He's afraid to give a, you know, afraid to talk to the police without his dad. I mean, those are details about somebody that if they were sort of maybe on crack or, you know, doing other horrible things wouldn't really be attributed to them. But, you know, let's see where this with it, where this conversation goes. Yeah. So on this tape, Huey claimed that the murder was accidental and the fight that led to her death was instigated by his need for money to pay his drug dealer when he was unable to come up with the money he gave his dealer, Kaziah's car. Huey was arrested and charged with murder, and he wasn't the only person interrogated in the days following the crime. In fact, Kaziah's downstairs neighbor, Emmanuel, was also questioned about his whereabouts at the time of the murder, but did not provide any useful information. Okay. However, on January 11th, Emmanuel was pulled over by Westchester County Police for driving a stolen car, and it was Kaziah's. And in fact, it had been reported stolen on the day that she died. Doesn't look good for Haley here. No, it doesn't. And Emmanuel was brought back to the police station where he had now, uh, sorry, he now had a very interesting story to share. I mean, the other thing is if, if, if it was reported stolen, who reported it? Like, obviously Huey wouldn't have done that. So, or would he, I don't know. Well, I don't know because like, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, even though it was Emmanuel driving the car, it doesn't, it kind of almost looks like they were colluding or setting up or something. So something doesn't like seem right to me um, in any sort of way. But the fact that Emmanuel is saying he doesn't have any useful information and is caught with Kaziah's car. car, Right. Exactly. It ain't looking good for either one of them. It's another sussy story you know yeah so huey had paid him a visit on the afternoon of january 3rd looking for help after having killed his mother he admitted he had had felt for the frightened teenager and encouraged him to make the murder scene look like a robbery gone wrong which would explain Mm -hmm. why the stuff was poured out from her purse right all over the living room now he had also told police he had offered to dispose of the murder weapon as well as take Isaiah's car to sell and split the profits to Huey so that he could pay off his drug debts. I mean, even the dumbest of criminals have to know that like you can't just go through with a plan like this and expect it to work, right? I mean, criminals are dumb, but like what? I don't know. This is all getting very Well, weird. it's not I'm not confident like it doesn't seem like Emmanuel really has Huey's best interest at heart and only his at own. At this point, yeah, exactly. I want to know how the phone cord kind of gets into all of this yeah, too, yeah. you know, like and how he kind of did this, how the 16-year-old was kind of able to Yeah. 
overpower his mother. Right. But Emmanuel was charged with hindering the prosecution of Huey's case, possession of stolen property, and larceny. He was not charged, however, as an accomplice to Kaziah's murder. Interesting. Emmanuel Green was killed before Huey's trial began, and unfortunately, he was never able to give testimony. Wow. And I wonder what happened there. And before his trial started, Huey recanted his confessions on the grounds that it was coerced by police. And to be fair, police should know better. Uh, If they uh, want to catch somebody and they want to catch a real criminal, they should know better than to have done that. That's why we were questioning it from the start, from jump. Right. In 1991, there was very limited research on false confessions and police coercion. It was not the widely known phenomena that it is today. And I think with video footage and I think with social media and I think with a lot of like criminal justice being at the forefront, that's what sort of like pushed this whole movement. The defense tried desperately to have the confession suppressed, even wanting to call an expert witness to testify about false confessions and the many reasons why a teenager. And listen, false confessions happen. There are plenty of innocent people that have given a false confession under whatever circumstances. 100%. I mean, Many by the way, re- yeah. sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I'm just no, going to say that like we we hear about it because of a couple of documentaries that have made their way to Netflix and Peacock and all these streaming and I get Oxygen, A&E, all the other true crime areas or networks. But just imagine like if that's just the percentage of cases that have made their way to the cultural zeitgeist that we're able to kind of know about on a mainstream level imagine all the other ones that are just as important that are just as viable that are just sitting in you know empty rooms that no one's researching I mean I have to say one of the things one of the highlights of my career and I think one of the things that really lit me up in terms of true crime was and this is going to sound funny but I promise you it's true Kim Kardashian's interest in taking on these cases and using her resources and her money to exonerate people and, and getting Alice. Um, I want to say Alice Walker, yeah, but that's yeah. the, also the author of color purple. So I don't, uh, I maybe think it's not Walker, Alice Jones. I'm looking it up. Am I thinking Alex Jones? But, uh, but you know, Kim Kardashian and then wanting to be a lawyer. I mean, that that is so Alice ad- Marie Johnson, Johnson. That's what it was. You know, I I find that so commendable because I wish that I had the resources to just go back to law school and even the brains because I don't think that's smart enough. That's why when people were, you know, when she was talking about law school and she was going to do this kind of expedited program and not have to do it and people were giving her shit. It's like, while I understand that at the same time, if she's using it for good to encourage people, innocent people being exonerated, then like, why does it matter how we do it? And and especially someone like Kim who can do an expedited program and then use all of her intense resources and connections to, you know, make up almost for the work that needs done elsewhere. I mean, there's just so much possibility out there in terms right. of- Right, no like matter what, releasing Alice Marie Johnson was a good thing. doesn't yeah. really matter how we got there to do it. I mean, we can question that- maybe why it, it, it takes a fucking, you know, pop icon in a way, right. like a reality yeah. star to do this. But if By it happened- way- we should be grateful. A hundred percent. And Alice Johnson's case, I think, was a nonviolent drug crime that she was yeah, in jail which, for for twenty years. As you know, I, I never believe nonviolent drug criminals. I never believe they should ever be in jail. Of course like, I not. And don't neither, they should serve any jail time at and all? And neither does you know. And to to President Biden's uh, credit, not to get on like a soapbox here, but you know there was an uh, an expunging of uh, nonviolent drug related crimes, especially yeah. marijuana, recently that was a federal. 
what's the term? I'm just blanking. Um, uh, executive order or whatever that's happened. So anyway, the point simply is that there are so many cases that are similar to this. And I think we're going to get into even more of these details here in a yeah. second that really are shocking. And it just really set me off. So anyway, Darren, keep, continue yeah. here with your, with your, well, like I said, <laughs> the defense tried to have the confession suppressed. They right. wanted to call an expert witness to testify about false confessions and the many reasons why a teenager She's 16 at the time, especially when grieving the violent loss of a parent after even finding the violent loss of a parent and being that one to report it, would be highly susceptible to police coercion without the help of a parent or an attorney. And who was also being spooked into saying what, what he wanted because without he was being afraid of a sex conviction. To, yeah, going to jail, exactly. However, the judge refused to allow either the testimony or the suppression of the confession. Now, Huey's case went to trial, and on September 25th, 1991, he was found guilty of his mother's murder and was sentenced to prison for 15 years mm -hmm. to life. Mm -hmm. um, now, <clears throat> we might argue that 15 years, if he did do it, is kind of short, but remember, he is 16. Right, so, of course. You know. Now, let's flash forward now about 20 years uh, to 2009. Huey's case was referred to my favorite organization, the Innocence <laughs> Project, right. by an attorney who specialized in false confessions and wrongful convictions. Which we should say didn't really exist in 1991 or the years thereafter. So luckily, these types of organizations came to reality in 2009. I don't remember when the Innocence Project was established. Yeah, we should look that up. I'll look that up while you're- Can you look it up while I yeah. continue here? Now, the new defense team studied the case for two whole years. It's been around for a while. The yeah. new defense team studied the case for two whole years. Now, these people, let me tell you something, the Innocence Project, that's why they need the money because they do their due diligence. They're not going to just sloppily right. get someone, you know, they're going to absolutely make sure that they're adjudicating the case properly here. I have a quick update. In fact, this is from innocenceproject.org. Realizing the power of DNA testing in ending wrongful convictions, Barry Sheck and Peter Newfeld founded the Innocence Project as a law clinic at the Benjamin N. Cardozo, Cardozo School of Law. Which is in New York. That's which right. New York. In 1992. So I was wrong, Darren. I, sh I assumed that this was happening much later, but maybe, uh, you know, it took a while for it to sort of catch on in a way that we hear. I about knew it, it had been around most of my life. I just wasn't sure. I thought it was in the 90s, but I wasn't sure if it was in the early 2000s. But regardless, sure. it's a relatively new organization that has exonerated a ton of people. So right, right. there's just even more mountains to climb here. So, you know, they studied the case for two whole years, analyzing the contradictions who we made in his statements and compared his words to the evidence left at the apartment. Mm -hmm. Now, the team discovered that the police officers who interrogated Huey initially had conducted interrogations just prior to his that also yielded false confessions. Oh, interesting. And both suspects were acquitted at trial. They <laughs> also conducted, and this is annoying about police because they don't care about who did it. They just care about convicting someone. Convicting, yeah. So while all of this shit is going on, they're actually missing the real culprit. Now Which they also I will never understand that, but okay, keep going. Well, because they have quotas to hit and they're yeah, pressured from I mean. the higher it's ups insane. to get the budgets. You know, they're gonna get right. more money if they convict five murderers, even Their if those murderers are aren't secure. actual murderers. It right. doesn't matter. Right. So they were it's the system. Yeah, and they were is. they also conducted a more thorough search of the physical evidence present at the murder scene. Kazaya was ultimately killed by a stab wound so severe that the knife had cut straight through her neck. Ugh. Really horrible detail. That's a that's a speed of strength to yeah, cut through someone's sure. neck clean. Well, especially uh, for somebody who is allegedly a sixteen year old boy, maybe I don't right. know something to think about. 
Well, in his confession, Huey stated he had tied one of his mother's wrists with the phone cord, then stabbed his mother a single time using a serrated knife before dropping the knife on the floor and fleeing the scene. However, Kaziah had suffered two individual stab wounds with a smooth blade after which she had been beaten by her attacker, a detail that Huey never mentioned in any of his interviews. And I just want to say, tied one of his mother's wrists with the phone cord makes no sense. That's like putting on a bracelet. That doesn't make any sense. Then stabbed his his mother a single time using a serrated knife. A serrated knife, which is usually what you cut bread with or things Mm -hmm. like that, that wound is going to be clear. You're going to know if it's cut through a serrated knife or a regular knife. So him seeing serrated is probably going to be the linchpin in this entire thing here. That's a very good point, Darren. And that's a great observation. But what if there's no knife to begin with? Because additionally, Mm. the bloody knife that Huey claimed to have dropped was, of course, never recovered at the crime scene, nor were any traces of blood left behind on it uh, by it on the bed, I should say. So the right. detail about Kaziah's single-bound wrist was also crucial. It appeared Huey had claimed to have bound only one because that was how her body was discovered. And I what? still don't get the point. Like, yeah, you know, which is why this seems to be a false confession of sorts. Exactly. And as we said at the top of the show, and experts have also confirmed, that only binding a single wrist would not have constrained the woman, and both would need to be bound for the single constraint to have served any purpose. Because if, right, right, right to Darren's point, the bracelet. putting on a bracelet. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Well, lastly, and one of the most telling points of the confession was, of course, the language that Huey used on the tape. It was full of legal jargon, including how he had been, quote, associating with a friend on the afternoon in question and was, quote, stimulated on cocaine at the time of the murder, not language typically used by 16-year-old boys, Darren. Like, you know, or listen, adults who are adults cocaine. They're not being like, I'm stimulated by cocaine right now. Let no, me, they're not using that. Let me say this. I have a 17-year-old nephew. He calls me all the time for rides, okay? He's never calling me and saying that he's associating with a friend tonight. Let's just put no. it that way. Okay? Right, exactly. That would be weird, and you'd be like, SOS, are you Absolutely. okay? And you know what? I am happy that I can contribute that expertise to our show today. Yes. Anyways, it appeared being the being the the gay uncle, the gunkle that I am. It appeared that police had zeroed in on Zue because of his teacher's comment about Huey. His, you said I'm, Zooey. Did I say Zooey? Like your mom? Which is funny because it's like my mom. Did I say Zooey? You did. Shout out to Zooey, who is not Shout a part out of to this my episode. Mama. By yes. the way, she is completely innocent. Yes. Uh, sorry about that. I think I saw. Or zero. is she? Or is she? Tune in to next week's episode on Patreon. Um, I said zeroed in on Huey. And I think I I combined zeroed yeah. and Huey, which I do all the time, and I think there's some sort of mental illness involved with that. But anyway, definitely, definitely. It appeared police had zeroed in on Huey because of his teacher's comment about his absence from her class. However. Can you guess? Investigators failed to take into account her follow-up statement. And Darren, I know you have more details about that. So it turns out, uh, this is why doing your due diligence, like the Innocence Project, is important. It turns out that she had checked her records after talking to police and had been mistaken because guess what? Human beings are fallible. That's right. Especially in 1990, what was this, 82 or whatever. Uh, what was it year? I'm sorry. I'm forgetting what year it was, but they didn't have electronic, uh, you know, right. Early nineties. Yeah. Early. Huey was actually present in the classroom. Cool. That day. It's super easy to confuse when you're just talking to someone casually about a Tuesday or Wednesday. 
You know, yeah. like I do yeah. that all the time. Like well, I confuse true. it all the time. The teacher informed police immediately of her error, but police failed to disclose this new information to the defense. Did they fail to disclose it or did they intentionally fail to disclose it? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you don't fail to disclose something. You just like, you, you just don't. fuck it you up. Just, right. right. The new defense team also analyzed Emmanuel Green's statement and found some pretty major, remember, he's the one found with the car. That's right, with the car. Pretty major inconsistencies, including a discrepancy about whether Emmanuel or Huey had depo- has deposed disposed, excuse me, of the murder weapon. (laughs) However, at the time, Emmanuel was interrogated by police. Huey had already confessed to the murder. Well, and and then in that case, they're like, He passed away. That's right. He did die. That's true. But I'm like, you know, if they're already, and I'm sorry to keep interrupting you there. um, You know, if he's already confessed to the murder, then you know what I'm thinking they do? They're just like, all right, well, we've done what we need to do. We've got a confession. There's nothing else to look into here. Even though the kid is 16 years old. Like, come on now. Well, it appeared that police were so preoccupied with their supposed slam dunk confession, of course, that they had failed to notice glaring mistakes in their talk with Emmanuel, even after he was caught with Kazaya's stolen car, which seems to be kind of the big thing about this, you know, big possession here. In 2018, the Innocence Project reported a summary of their findings to the Bronx District Attorney, who quickly filed a motion to vacate the charges against him. And on January 16th, 2019, the charges against Huey for his mother's murder were dismissed, and he was allowed to go free. Now, Huey was 36 at the time, so still obviously damaged by having spent 20 years in fucking prison for the murder of his mother that he didn't do, and also having to deal with the trauma of finding his mother, but at least being 36, he can live, hopefully. He has a lot of life left, for sure. That's true. And And he has a lot of money, by the way, to enjoy his life with. Well, in October of 2020, (laughs) Huey filed a compensation claim against the state and the NYPD, as he should. The lawsuit was settled in June of 2021, so two years ago, and Huey was awarded a settlement of $11 million. Great. Listen, if that's – money is money, and, like, you know, you can have your own personal opinion about paying things off like this, but I'm like – if I spent 20 years in prison for the murder of my mother that I didn't do. And my mother is murdered, 11 million ain't even yeah, cutting it. Yeah, that's but not even at least it's close, something. But I'll take it. You know what I'm trying to say? But anyway, really tragic story all around here. And it's really sad that Emmanuel, who seems to have been the person connected to this case, uh, although we can't be sure he was never tried, um, is connected to the actual murder and was never brought to justice. And yeah. That's, we don't know that really, for sure, but yeah. it seems sussy that he had the car. Yeah, definitely. By the way, there's a New York Post article about, you know, about the story that you can look up really quickly on on Google. But there, um, there's a big headline in a in a newspaper that says "Crack Crazed Teen Stabs Mom to Death," and it's like, wow, they really just doubled down on this 16 year old boy. Really By did. the way, we Trying should to mention ruin his life. It's crazy. We should mention he is black, Huey, and I'm sure his mother is black. So, you know, something to consider. And I was thinking the the same thing. If it was like if it was like a a rich Upper East Side, 16 year old white boy, would the police be so quick to to do that? And so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just terrible. But at least it has slightly, slightly happy ending, slightly happy ending. Slightly. I mean, at least he got exonerated. That's important. Yeah. And justice was served. Thanks to the Innocence Project, That's my friends. That's right. Yeah. Once again, the Innocence Project out here saving lives, even though, you know, unfortunately, not all of them, but doing what they right. can. 
Uh, let us know what you think about this week's episode. Have you heard about this case? Do you have an opinion yourself? You can hit us up at Jay Thrasher and Carpe Darren. You can hit us up on our Facebook group. And of course, you can DM us or comment on Patreon where we will respond to all of your reactions and thoughts. Darren, let's get into some listener shout outs. I love this shout out. I really like this top one and I saw you reacted to it. So just take it away. Sandy, who's a loyal Patreon subscriber. Thank you so much, Sandy. Uh, Posted in our Facebook group and she says, the bleeding suitcase episode. And, you know, thank God she actually posted this on Facebook and not in Patreon because this is for all to see. The bleeding suitcase <laughs> episode. Well, Darren said penis 11 times. Thank you for counting, Sandy. And John said it only once. So oh. I think this is Sandy's opinion now and yeah. Darren Karp's opinion as well. Okay. I think John owes us to say vagina now 10 times to make up for it, to which I commented. I second mm. that. Yeah, you did support her in that moment. I'm going to support Sandy. Well, unfortunately, unless it pertains to the episode and the details and the evidence, I don't know that I really have a have a. Or it's a new Spice to... Girl vagina spice. You're not saying it, essentially. I think at that point, I would just call her V Spice. You know what I mean? Oh, V Spice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Well, Sandy, thanks for that. Um, it looks like we might need to revoke your Patreon membership after this week's listener shout out, but we'll we'll talk about that another day. Um, Jenna in our Facebook group, Darren helped us out big time because on a recent episode, I was wondering about when I said 1990 day. Yes. In martinis and murder, which was our old show. Uh, she says, quote, just catching up on apps and heard John asking which app 199 day is from. I'll never forget. It's Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And wow. I was just like, and that's a great episode. Yes. I, I think because we do this show, Darren, they all kind of blend together in my head to some degree. But when other people are listening, I guess it is like a TV show or a movie and they can just remember things like that. I was just so impressed, Jenna, that you could do that. So thank you for finding it. So if any of you want to hear the original 99 day it's available for you on Martinis and Murder. On the Yahweh Ben Yahweh episode. That, that's right. Whatever episode that was. That I got to go been, back and listen to that. I know. I kind of want to, too. Maybe I'll look yeah. I'll look it up. But well, thank join you, us Jenna. On, yeah, thank you, Jenna, for doing the hard work. Join us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of bonus content, including ad-free episodes in video form. And that's right. You can see every single full episode recording right on Patreon. And in fact, I'm waving to our fans right now if you're listening and watching. I'm giving Jazz sparkle hands. Oh, look at that. Look at that. You know what I was just thinking, Darren? What will your background be when you move to LA? Because you'll have a new video background. And I'm actually going to put up art in this new. I'm going to have a new background. It's 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 going to be interesting. Are you going to put that um, needlepoint artistic thing that our friend Krista sent to us? You know what I'm talking about? Like the... The sign. I know mine's right next to mine. I have this too. Hold on. Let me get mine. Darren vamp for a second. I'm going to go get mine. I'm vamping. This is what Krista um, made us. It is right here with me. You can see it. If you are a Patreon subscriber, I will definitely be hanging it up. That looks so cute. I'm pretty sure it was Krista, right? Krista sent us these. Um, you have to hang that up at least somewhere in your room, by the way. You have to. Of course. I mean, if we're doing video Patreon at this point, you got to do something. And then I have our Shaken and Disturbed posters, which hopefully oh, are yeah, going to be sent everything. out soon, which is yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're definitely going to, by the way. More on that in a future episode. But by the way, and if you're a former Patreon subscriber, come on back. We get it. Come Sometimes you don't want to pay for it every month. We're, we're aware of that. But we did recently update our perks and tiers, and now you can see our faces. And I mean, aren't our faces worth it look at our faces if you're looking at it you know what i mean yeah they're great oh dear darren's whole bottom 
all of her bottom teeth went away. Oops. Um, now all my top teeth went away. Um, we also, this is what of course, you get thank, on Patreon. This is what you get, us. guys. Yeah. Money's worth. Uh, we always, of course, have to thank Megan. So That's one, right. two, three. Thank you, Thanks, Megan. Megan. We love you. And we're going to go and we'll see you guys this week with a new NMR. And of course, next week with a full episode. Check your freshies. And Darren, you have a new sign off. Check your brake pads without pants, and apparently you don't need a penis. Okay, that's a bit much. We're going to work on those for next week. We're going to work. It will workshop it. We'll workshop it. it. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.